Welcome to the Porsche Club Insider, your one stop for all things Porsche and PCA. Here's your host, Vu Gwyn, and the Insider Crew. Welcome everyone to episode 103. We are here getting ready for Tech Tactics East in Easton, Pennsylvania. We are actually at the Eastern Service Training Center, Porsche Cars North America's distribution area as well as training for dealer techs and such uh we have manny at the table here as we normally do damon's not with us but we do have our guest rolf kitlitz who is a pcna after sales training manager or actually training instructor technical trainer yes. technical you almost trainer. got promoted there uh, i almost, almost as long as you're gonna be if you get a little bit more <laughs> yeah so I want to shout out to Kathy Lee and HP with Porsche Cars North America, who uh, helps us get this facility here and uh, all the staff here. Yeah. They they do uh, an amazing job in preparing for the crowd that's going to come in tomorrow and Sunday. Yeah, we're, we're recording this on the, the Friday and Saturday and Sunday. We have two one-day events, and uh, this is usually their days off, but they come in to help facilitate this event. And, yeah, big thank you because it's uh, – they do it with a smile. <laughs> it's uh, been going on since 2011. Yeah, 2011. I think we had to skip a few um, a few years ago, but we've had, uh, I think, 12 Tech Tactics East at this facility. Yeah, and it's uh, a great facility. Uh, we, we've been doing Tech Tactics uh, since 1980, I think, and they were looking for a change. And Paul Greger, who at the time was our liaison with the uh, factory, uh, knew they were building this facility and said, I want you guys to stop by on the way to the Tech Tactics event to check out this training facility. It may be a good alternative. And it was a blizzard, I remember. Mm -hmm. And we drove up here, stopped here uh, during a blizzard, took a tour, and we're like, yeah, this is absolutely perfect. The classrooms are set up uh, because they teach people here. Uh, and it had lifts and everything we could have asked for. And, of course, the bonus is they have this huge warehouse with Porsche parts that people get to tour, although there's uh, full pat-downs, I think, uh, before you <laughs> Especially leave, when you leave walk the warehouse. Through. Exactly. <laughs> I'm not allowed into the toy car area. So for those of you that are watching us on YouTube, you're probably distracted by the racing yellow machine behind us. Tell folks, what's uh, what are we looking at, Manny? It's the Monti GT3. And that is the way to pronounce it. We, Montai. We, we got that uh, cleared up in uh, at Rensport. And Rolf, uh, we've got the wheels off, and we've got some contraptions tied to the hubs. What are they? So Manti Racing manufactures, in addition to the kit, uh, the the track kit for the GT3, they also manufacture an alignment setup with hub stands, so that you can corner balance the car and adjust the threaded coilover dampers and springs to set it up just right for the track. And I see it folds down or compacts into that nice little trolley over there. Yes. Beautiful, right. beautiful uh, case that they ship it in. Yeah. And that's really the reason why we come to Easton. We could go to, honestly, any building for Tech Tactics East. But the advantage to coming here is you see machinery like what we have behind us. And scattered throughout the facility here, you've got transmissions, you've got engines, you've got cars. Full as well as, you know, halfway taken apart. It's a gearhead's dream. So this uh, it was a special thing that we had this uh, alignment of machine or kit uh, sent up here. Um, not every dealer gets this. It, how does the dealer know when they have to buy it? Is it when one of their customers get the Monti GT3? So uh, a dealer has the option to opt in to become a Manti certified retail point. Mm. In order to do so, they need to agree to buy the alignment kit because it's the only way to align the car. 
as well as they need to send a technician to training so they know how to install the kit and use the alignment equipment. What's this kit cost? Do we have a retail on it? The kit for the for the alignment setup or mm. for the or the, the, the car parts? Just the alignment setup, the kit. About thirty grand is the price on the alignment kit with all the hub stands and the corner scales. Wow. So this is the exact same kit that they use in the paddock at the twenty four hour Le Mans. But you can still get this car aligned with a normal alignment machine, or does it necessitate this? Well, there's an alignment, and then there's an alignment. Mm. Your average streetcar alignment is one thing, but when you're setting a car up for a racetrack and having it corner-weighted, considering the driver's weight plus the driver's safety equipment and all of the fine details of that, to really, really nail it down, we need this kit. Uh, it's a time thing. Before we had the access to use the hub stands to get a really, really zeroed in alignment on a car like this, you would need to first take your corner weights, make notes, lift the car up, remove the center lock wheels, which is an ordeal, make your adjustments on the threaded coilovers, remount the wheels, set it back down on conventional scales, take notes, repeat, repeat, repeat. Wow. Wow. So the advantage of, of this kit is with the wheels out of the way on the hub stands, we have direct access to the threaded coilover adjustments. Well, let's get back to the training center. Um, training is a pretty broad word. What really goes on here? Well, technical training, if it, if, if that's better. For whom? <laughs> <laughs> so we have in our, in our training facility here, we have four classrooms. Three of them are technical classrooms, like what we're sitting in right now, the most port room. And one of them is a non-technical classroom. So we can do warranty training for administrators. We could do parts manager training, things like that. Uh, but the three technical classrooms is probably what you're asking about. We cover the entire car from bumper to bumper, from floor to ceiling in, in individual classes where we can take a, a technician that's new to Porsche, introduce them to the brand, teach them how to say the name right, show them how to use our workshop manual, navigate their way around our information system, and all the way through convertible top class, engine class, alignment class, electrical diagnosis, we teach the whole car. So who pays for them to come here? Porsche or the dealer or themselves? Each individual Porsche center, um, they are free to send their technicians to class. The, the, the cost of our training department is built into uh, the the point of sale of, of the product that we sell, the cars. Mm -hmm. So uh, a small slice of every window sticker covers the training cost of the technicians. Hmm. We don't directly charge the, the Porsche centers. We only charge them if there's a no-show. Now, there are roughly, what, 260 dealers or so? How, how many dealers are there now? Uh, I'd say ballpark 200 in the United States. 200? Okay. Maybe another 20 or so in Canada. I don't know the okay, exact Okay, maybe numbers. I'll see. That's what I was thinking. Canada so, typically runs 10% of our volume. So all of those centers multiply by number of technicians. How many facilities are like this in the U.S., Canada, and how can, can you get through everyone, get everyone through it, so to speak? So we do have three technical training centers in the United States, here in Pennsylvania, Atlanta, Georgia, and Southern California. Eastvale, right? Eastvale, California. Okay, yeah. um, this is the only one that's attached to a warehouse. The one in California used to, but they've, they've re, uh, they were rearranged in Ontario. how to do all that. Yes, when they right. were in Ontario. 
then also a few years ago, Porsche Canada opened a training center in the Toronto area. And so now they have dedicated technical trainers in Canada and a location. We don't, we very, very rarely see Canadian technicians, but we used to for the first decade or so, maybe 10% of our, our technicians would come through. Hmm. We'd see Canadian technicians all the time. Is the Atlanta one at the experience center? So at one Porsche drive at OPD is where we have our technical training center in Atlanta. Hmm. Yes. Hmm. Have you ever seen that? Yeah. Yeah. I knew they were training down there. So when a technician comes through here, do they have to have a couple years under their belt before they get here? They get the basics at the dealer? Because I can't imagine you would send everybody through this, would you? Well, we we, we actually, we used to have, a uh, on occasion, I'd have some guy come in and on their first intro class, like, tell me your background. And he goes, well, you know, I used to wash cars, and so they gave me a job changing oil, and now I'm a Porsche technician. And oh, wow. That really, really slows the class down when everybody mm-hmm. else has 15 years under the belt. So we actually had to... We had to draw a line in the sand and ask the Porsche centers, uh, you know, you're, you must be at least this tall to ride this ride. Gotcha. We have some minimum requirements to come to the first class, but we get a lot of brand change technicians. Maybe they've got five or ten years with another brand, so they've got plenty of experience wrenching. They just need to learn about Porsche. Um, so that's typically what we see for the newest classes. We also have guys that have been – at their Porsche centers 25, 30 years, and, you know, they're a returning repeat technician. We know them. They know us. Always good to see the guys over and over again. So for one new model, let's say the um, the new 992 when that came out, uh, how many visits would they make to a center like this? Or would, it, would one, one uh, visit cover everything that was new about that car? So, yeah, depending on... If it's a new car or a completely new car, we might have a two-day intro class on new technology. We might even have a four-day intro class on new technology. Mm-hmm. Um, you can imagine when we launched the Taycan, that's a completely different animal as compared to anything we've made before. So that one was a more involved intro class versus, yeah, 992 is a complete redesign as compared to a 991, but there's also a lot it has in common. So it's still not that deep of a class. You think the Macan, do you know how long the Macan EV class is going to be yet? I don't know yet. In fact, I won't even get my training on the Macan until this summer. I would all be in Germany for two weeks. That's what I was going to ask is the curriculum, do you develop it here or is it passed down from PAG and then you teach it as is or do you get it from PAG and you add sort of the U.S. Canadian flair or? All, all of that. Okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, there are certain things, obviously, that we want to make, make sure everybody knows around the world. So PAG is covering that. But then mm-hmm. there are other things like we might filter things out. We don't need to teach U.S. technicians on rest of world equipment. Right. So we don't need to cover that so much. Or we might see something like, hey, we really think we need to spend extra time on this. And so we'll, we'll spend some, some, some more time in that one area. So talk a little bit about the hardware that's here. Lots of obviously parts laying around as I look around here, but also testing computers. Um, do you try to mimic what you're expecting dealers will have, or does dealers try to mimic what you have? How does that work? So we, we certainly do have a corporate image standard and yeah, we hold all of the Porsche centers to that. And we try and decorate our training centers as closely as we can to that. Uh, in fact, if you look around our, 
our shops right now, we've, since you were here last year, we've changed out some of our special tool cabinets because it's a new color and a new format. And so we're in the process of rolling through all of that. We love going through the tool carts here because they have some <laughs> very, very shiny well, stuff. In fact, uh, <laughs> we're going to capture this on video uh, and show it later on. Uh, but Ralph's putting a pr- special presentation about the special tools that dealers have to buy because last year he did an impromptu presentation in between sessions and uh, nothing gathered a bunch of people who are here for technical stuff than seeing all these cool tools that they have to use. But uh, more to your point about it looking like a dealership, when you come up to this building, if you didn't know any better, you thought it was a Porsche dealer. Oh, yeah, complete like CI compliance, right? From the we, outside. We, and we get... Random strangers who will just walk, you know, open the door in the middle of my class. Hey, is this a, is this a dealer? (laughs) Do you have an allocation that I could put a deposit on? (laughs) And, and, you know, I have to direct them to the nearest one over in Allentown, fortunately, High Valley. Um, you know, it's about 30 minute drive. Go talk to them. Tell them I sent you. (laughs) Wow. So how do you land here? Well, uh, I'm, I'm a lifelong Porsche nut. Uh, and I was one of those guys who I didn't know what I wanted to be when I grew up. So I was a late in life career changer oh. when I finally decided I need to be a Porsche technician. And so I went back to school as you know, a 29 year old. I went back to go to school and I attended a, a Universal Technical Institute mm-hmm. for profit uh, vocational school for the, for the purpose of becoming a Porsche technician. Uh, I, I enrolled in, and I applied, I applied to and interviewed for and was accepted into the PTAP program, our apprenticeship program, Porsche Technology Apprenticeship Program. And then I went and I worked at two Porsche centers in Charlotte, North Carolina and Houston, Texas. And the reason I'm telling you that whole backstory, I've always enjoyed sharing knowledge. Doesn't matter what the topic is. If I know something about it, I like talking about it. I like helping people understand things. When I was an apprentice student in PTAP, my instructor at the time, he said to me, you know, I think you'd be really good at this job someday. And I went, great, keep me in mind. Oh. Well, one day my phone rang. He called you. He called me and said, we've got an open instructor position. I want you to apply Is for it. Is it somebody I know that was here or? No, uh, his name was Jamie Lindsley. He was a technician in Syracuse, New oh, okay. York for years. And he trained PTAP from early 2000s until 2008 when we only had one location in Atlanta. He's, uh, he passed away about a decade ago, unfortunately. Mm. But, uh, like I said, he was my mentor. He and I were good, good friends. We stayed in touch for years. And, uh, one day, yeah, he, he called me and said, Hey, you need to apply for this job. So when you came into the Porsche world, what year was that? And what models were on the dealership floors? As an instructor or as a technician? Both. Okay. So here's the funny thing. When I tell you I was only in the dealer network for two and a half years, you're going to be surprised that I got a corporate job after that. But again, I was a late in life career changer and a lifelong Porsche nut and a wrench my whole life. So between my own knowledge and, and independent shops... I wasn't just fresh off the street, but, uh, I was a PTAP student in 2003 and then I worked in the, in two different Porsche stores. And then I came back to become a PTAP instructor late in 2006. So you would have been, that doesn't seem you would have been right ago. in the, you would have seen air cooled cars as yeah. well as oh, yeah. cooled yeah. in, in the dealer. Right. So when I was a PTAP student, air cooled engine class was still one of the classes we took. 
Um, and we were still teaching that to the apprentices as late as 2006. So I got asked this because I was with my cousin in uh, California last weekend who is an automotive savant when it comes to modern day cars and he, and he wants to get into the business. He's young, enthusiastic. I hear of Universal Technical Institute and the PTAP program. Like, can you share a little bit of advice of maybe if someone's wanting sure. to get into this? Absolutely. Uh, and I'd love to because we need talent, uh, not just us. The entire automotive industry, not just the automotive industry, the entire vocational industry, any yeah. blue collar trade is hurting for talent these days. So yeah, I'd, I'd be happy to share that. Um, you do not necessarily have to be a student at Universal Technical Institute. That used to be the requirement. Mm -hmm. But again, we're looking for talent from anywhere. So we have changed our policy. We still run that program, the PTAP program in cooperation with UTI. But we've now opened up enrollments or applicants to any graduate of an accredited technical school. Mm. So it could be a local community college. It could be another for-profit vocational school like UTI. But if they are an ASE accredited training program for automotive technology, and they do exceptionally well, uh, they can apply to become a PTAP student. I think the exceptionally well is – what people who own Porsches want to hear. Right. Yes, Because exactly. I read on the UTI website, uh, it was like the top 1% or 2%, something like that, uh, they picked from. It's like the cream of the crop, basically, they're taking. Right. And when you say top 1% or 2%, it's, it's actually probably just the top 1%. Wow. That's good news for us Porsche owners. Yeah, that's what I read that. I'm like, <laughs> well, that's keeping in what you would think Porsche would uh, require for their technicians. Exactly. So from the instructor standpoint, how has – I know you said there's – quite a shortage of folks um, out there, but the 1% that actually make it into the program, do they all make it? So we, we are going to, of course, have way more applicants than we're going to accept for our classes oh, because okay. we're going to hold ourselves to the highest yeah. standards. Um, and we want that of our technicians as well. Now we do, we, we have expanded our PTAP program from just one location in Atlanta mm -hmm. to now all three of our technical training centers in the U.S. have a PTAP class. And each one, each class is approximately six months. So we have them spaced out so that every two months we have 12 new technician apprentices graduating. Now a PTAP, who funds those students? So that one, the hiring Porsche Center pays out of pocket for their um, tuition, essentially. Oh, okay. Uh, and it's pricey, yeah. but it's worth it because they're going to come out with exceptional knowledge of our information system. They're going to know where to find the information, which is always a challenge. Um, they're, of course, green. They're apprentices. They're new. They're light on their mechanical aptitude. Or I shouldn't say aptitude. They're light on their mechanical experience, but they probably have great aptitude to keep on learning. Mm. And you get a chance to mold them early. Yes. Yeah. So back to the folks um, that are have already been in the dealership. How many dealer folks come through this facility a year, roughly? So depending on the year, because whenever we do new models, it of course it it takes time out of our calendar because we have to go get learned on it. Uh, get learned on it. Did I just say that? We have to go. We have to go. Yes, instructor. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'm a technical instructor, not a, not a language language instructor. So we have to go take our classes on it, uh, and that takes time. We also have our certifications that we 
run the dealer technicians through every year. So as far as classes go, I typically teach a class of eight to 10 technicians. So I'll see somewhere between 250 and 300 technicians a year wow. in my classroom alone. Wow. So, so are the subjects, I mean, because there's so many different aspects to a car from transmission, engine, and just maybe general knowledge of a model. How are these classes broken down? Because you can't teach a student everything no. with, with one visit. No, absolutely not. We, we start with our most basic introduction class, which we've now moved to a web-based training. And then we call those general, general service and repair classes. We want the technicians to be able to find the information in the workshop manual. I mean, I say it in my classes all the time. You'd think just changing oil is a simple thing. Mm. But it's a good thing we write directions on it because sure. some of our cars have two oil filters. Some of our cars have four drain plugs. I was about to say, yeah, you know, number it, of drain plugs. Uh, how to properly fill. And how long to let it drain and yeah. how quickly you can fill. Uh, and a lot of these cars now, you need a computer system to reset everything, right? Correct. So that's the kind of things we're going to cover in our general service and repair classes. Mm. Once they have com completed that, the next thing we want them to take is our basic electrical class. Because everything on the car these days, mm -hmm. there's a computer at least watching it, if not doing it for you. Yeah. There's very, very little left on any modern car that a human being actually does. Mm. Uh, so when they do connect it to the computer... Is that also uh, connecting to a network for Porsche as far as downloading data or getting information? Our most recent cars, for security reasons, we have software in our tester now that when we plug into our newest cars, on the back end, it actually contacts Germany. There's a data exchange of security clearance, and then certain control units the technician can get into. So but only after is it still Germany referred, has unlocked the ability to. Is it still referred to as PWIS? Because we've heard of PWIS computers in, yep, back the, in the day. The, so we've, we're on our Generation 4 tester now. Mm -hmm. So we just call it the, the Porsche. I, sorry, I'm tripping over all the acronyms flying around in my head. Uh, this is the. PWIS 4? <laughs> no. For, yeah, but we've, <laughs> we've got a new acronym for it and I'm, I'm tripping over my acronyms right now. Um, we call it PT4G. So oh, okay. it's Porsche Tester fourth generation. Wow. And I know those aren't cheap. I remember a dealer saying they had to invest a number of them because they can't just have one and take turns using them. They have to buy a number of them. Those aren't Correct. cheap. Correct. And we now require one PVIS tester and one 90-amp battery charger per bay. Per bay? Per bay. Whether a technician is actively using the bay or not, it needs to have the tester and the charger ready to go. I mean, think about if we're doing a three-hour reprogram on a car, you're going to plug into the car, hook up a battery chest, a, a battery charger to it, power supply. Oh, and just and leave then, it on and let it do its thing. And same. then step back so it can download oh. and, and program. Wow. And if your bay is in the middle of programming and I need to look at an oil level, I can't just unplug yours and use your computer. And how far back – uh, I'm, you know, obviously the new dealerships working with newer cars – that is something that is probably critical to the operation of their service center. How far back in years do cars require you to have a PUS hooked up for updates and all that kind of stuff? Would that go back to like a 2012 car or? We were, we were flashing control units with updated software as, 
as early as 996 generation. 996? At least yep. 2005, I remember being really? a yeah. That early? Oh, yeah. Huh. Yeah, I, I remember having to do DME reflashes, you know, if we had a campaign for some software updates on 996s. I thought early it was much newer cars. Yeah. How much is, like, um, look, we're looking at a Taycan. You can't see it on the camera, but behind our cameras is a Taycan. How much of that uh, training is computer or electric, electric, obviously the car is electric, but uh, versus the Boxster that came and it, it seems like there's more software. Is, is, is there a lot of software issues that uh, you have to teach them about? or if, if there are software things, we don't actually need to teach that. It's, it's something that the engineers have figured out we need to do a software update. They publish a bulletin. They publish instructions. The technicians hit the go button and let the software download. They're just plugging it in and the car's telling them that it needs to be updated. Kind of like, yeah, like your iPhone update yeah, tonight. Right? Exactly. Yeah. When we plug in, it, the car will tell you, the, the tester will tell the technician, this car needs this software update. Go ahead and install it now. Uh, but as far as what we do train on it, it's still the mechanical parts of it. Can I get the electric drive motor out of it and back in? Can I get the high voltage battery out of it and back in? Uh, what, what safety tests do I need to make sure the equipment works so that a high voltage car isn't dangerous to anybody that's around it in the workshop? So that's the kind of stuff we actually train on the Tycon. Um, the software stuff is, is kind of, kind of light for training. So how far in advance are the folks trained? You mentioned you've got to go to AG to get your training for the Macan E, I believe? Yes. And so that car rolls out a couple of months after your training. There's no hard and fast rule on what the time split is. It has been as little as a month and a half, and it's it's been as much as a year and a half between when I receive my training and when we see the car on the ground in the United States for sale to the end user customers. Now I'm sure it's probably almost impossible to think of all the different scenarios that are going to happen at the service center after a car is released, right? So how do you kind of build back or put back into the training program things that are observed at the dealerships that maybe PAG didn't think of, or maybe it's market specific and you say, this happens to the cars in our area a lot, but we were never trained on it. Well, there's a couple ways. Uh, first of all, we have an entire department in Atlanta called Technical Hotline, and that's their job is to... That's when a phone a friend? Pretty much, yeah, phone a friend. Just for technicians. Just for automotive technicians. Can I, can I, can get, we that, get, that can I get the number? <laughs> <laughs> Actually, you can. Did he do cars from 1990? <laughs> Yeah, I just did a water pump in my E1 Cayenne. The, so here, I'm going to blow your mind. Here's a little known factoid. Any independent repair facility that purchases one of our testers and subscribes to our workshop manual is Has allowed access. to, is allowed to call TechLine for help. Really? They get put at the bottom of the list because they're probably not working on a car that's new and You should just say they're, they're not at the first priority. It sounds better that way. <laughs> Not, don't say you put them at the bottom of the list. Yeah, same list as your GT3 allocation, <laughs> sir. But yeah, you could if you owned your own Pevis tester as an independent repair facility. Ah. And if you subscribe to our information system, you actually can get a hold of TechLine. That's, that's, that's possible. And that's based out of Atlanta? 
Yes. So those, so those, uh, so back to my question, those are the people that would collect maybe some, uh, a, um, a trend that's being experienced. So they're the ones that are going to help diagnose something. Mm-hmm. And then the engineers are tracking all of the repairs and all of the, Hey, we didn't, we didn't foresee that coming. Ah, okay. So we have some bulletins that are written in Atlanta, um, for the North American market. And then also we have, the majority of the bulletins come directly from Porsche AG because they're they're looking at the same information worldwide. Hmm. So hot climates might see certain things, cold climates might see other things. They're tracking all of that worldwide and um, processing all that information. So when hybrids came about, obviously you were training just normal ICE um, vehicles. Then hybrid comes about, that changes the classroom and subject matters. Did the introduction of full battery electric, was it harder, easier, or the same kind of progression of how, how do you introduce it into the training program? Well, we, uh, we have a graduated technician standing on the electric, the high voltage cars. Uh, and at, so you would first need to go to, uh, high voltage technician training for the hybrid cars complete that four-day course, come back for high-voltage technician on battery electric cars, complete that four-day course. And then you're allowed to ensure the car is safe to work on and then do mechanical work, remove and install components. But then above that, we have uh, high-voltage safety technicians that are allowed to work on a live car if the need arises without powering it down. And they have to have safety gear for that, 1,000-volt gloves, uh, arc flash suits and so forth. And then above that, we actually now offer battery repair classes. So fixing individual cells or components of the battery as opposed to a full replacement. Correct. So being able to open up a Tycon battery and exchange a battery module and then rebuild and so reseal the battery. From a tech geek perspective, thinking of all the components that are in a ICE vehicle and then thinking about Yes, there are some seriously dangerous things about EVs. Are you, are you, is it, how would you say, I would say easier is not the right word, but is it easier to train a technician on an EV versus ICE? Training the technician? I don't know, but number of systems in the car? Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was talking with one of our instructors about Going battery electric, it's like hitting a big reset button on the auto industry. Think about how complex a car was in 1900. Mm-hmm. Oh, we can see from here, the electric motor is right next to you, and we can see in the other room uh, the ice engine. Yeah. Right. And there's a whole lot of things that could go wrong <laughs> that yeah. I can see. Whereas this looks like an iPhone. I think there's one plug. There's, <laughs> there's just a handful of parts in an electric car. The most complex part of the electric car is going to be the software mm-hmm. and the thermal management system. But we don't have to worry about um, a carbon canister and purge. We don't have to worry about tank ventilation. We don't have to worry about so many things that we do. Oil? Oh, there, there's still there's lubricant, oil, lubricant in the in the gear set that yeah. is going to get serviced, but it's going to have a you know transmission gear interchange uh, interval instead of like a a gasoline oil interval. But um, the drivetrain itself is really really simple. Mm. So do you think these EVs, would it ever, and maybe people don't even care, but 
you know, I'm a DIYer. I think I just talked about how I did my water pump on my E1 Cayenne. It was, uh, we have a video on it and Manny's chuckling over here because I was sweating. It's, it's like a 40 minute job for a technician, but with us recording it and me not wanting to break things, uh, we did it over what, two days? <laughs> I'm just thinking uh, how we, we, we fudged some tools that we didn't have. <laughs> yeah. And I don't know if you can do that with EV. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> without getting electrocuted. So do you think EVs will ever be DIY? Well, there's still wheels, tires, yeah. brakes, brakes, steering components, suspension components. Mm. There's still, I mean, wipers, pollen filters. There, It's still a car. Mm-hmm. It still has lights. It still has window motors. It's still, it's, it's there's a still car. Things, there's still plenty of things for you to work on. Still plenty of, there's still thousands of parts in it. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of working on things, um, you've got a car running that I have a car that's really been in storage. And it's that gorgeous 914 that's outside. Thank you. Tell us a little bit about that thing. Well, his name is Johan. Johan, of course. Yes. My my wife named him. Uh, I figured since she let me spend the money on him, she gets to name him. So she picked <laughs> Johan. Uh, my wife and I name all of our cars. He's a 1972 1.7. Oh. It still Same year as mine. Oh, really? Yep. Awesome. 72. Great year. Same year as me. So that's why I bought it. Ah. Yeah. Very cool. We're all 914 owners here at the table. <laughs> Running 914 owners is Rolf and On I. this side of the table. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Manny. Nah. Yeah, you know, a four-cylinder mid-engine car is the heart of Porsche. Goes all the way back to 356 number one. So along those questions is, do you think there'll be a lightweight, simpler EV Porsche in, into the future? I gave up trying to predict what Porsche was going to do about 20 years <laughs> I ago. I tried, Manny. I tried. <laughs> And I don't make enough money to know that answer anyway, because I'm not that important. <laughs> so, well, this year, uh, you know, the, and the news was that Porsche is going to announce this year whether or not they're going to build a supercar. You know, the one we we saw debuted uh, Mission X. Mission X. Okay. Um, so you were around when the 918 Spider came out mm-hmm. and the training. Um, <clears throat> what percentage of these? Uh, not everyone gets trained on a 918 Spider, I would imagine. Correct. Right? So what percentage would you remember of, of the of the um, uh, technicians came for 918 training? You know, I don't even know that mm-hmm. answer because uh, 918 being a very expensive product, we only have one in our training fleet, and I've never even been trained on it. Okay. Oh, really? Yeah. So, so because I don't the, work at the training center that 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 hosts the car. Is uh, that what the we have a friend of ours who's a goldmeister, um, Peter Smith, of course, who's yes, on Tech Tactics Live. Um, and it seems to me, I'm not sure if this is true or not, that usually, uh, they get Goldmeister techs to work on a car like that. So we only want the best people working on the most expensive cars because mm-hmm. accidents get very expensive very quickly. Sure. So your career GT technicians, your 918 technicians, yeah, we want them to be the guy with experience under his belt, not the newbie. Um, as far as number of guys, well, we required a minimum of one person per store. And the big mm-hmm. stores probably have at least two technicians, you know, Miami, New York, Los Angeles, stores like that, uh, because they have the volume and they're going to see that many cars. 
So the the range of cars that are at the dealerships, obviously modern cars being trained through here makes sense. What about the classic centers? Do those mechanics get trained here as well, or is there a separate place for them? We presently have one classroom in our California training center. Eastvale. In Eastvale. Okay. And it's dedicated to Porsche Classic training, and we have a dedicated instructor. That's all he does is Porsche Classic training. And is that he, Alex? Yep. It is Alex. Okay, yep. yeah. Alex is our... Yeah, well, is, we were there last time. They yeah. had a lot of classic Porsches okay. yeah. inside the center. Yeah, we have a whole fleet of classic so he's Porsches. he's the only one that does it. At the present, yes. The classic business has taken off. Yeah. And they want to figure out where we can squeeze in another classic training room. I figured they do it at uh, one Porsche drive in Atlanta. Except that they have five classrooms and they're at capacity. Oh. We have four classrooms and some space that's not optimized right now. So they're kicking around ideas of what to do with floor space in this building. Wow, very cool. Now, how about um, like body and paint? Because I don't see anything like that around here. We also have a dedicated collision technology instructor and refinishing instructor. And he's based out of Atlanta. That's Mike. That's Mike Kukavica. Yeah. Yeah. And he trains in Atlanta and California both. So he's got okay. a – we've got a classroom in California that is a part-time body shop training classroom. Same thing in Atlanta. And, in fact, to back to your question earlier on how many technicians can we get through – we last year had in the United States seven people that do my job. Really? We've just hired a new instructor for Southern California to be sort of a um, spare tire is not the right word because that's insulting. <laughs> reserve, reserve. A, very, thank <laughs> you. Reserve. A reserve instructor. So um, we'll be able to make use of the one classroom when we don't have body shop training going he can take on some regular um, regular service training in that classroom and also cover uh, when another technical trainer is on vacation or something so we can we can get more text through classes i sat in on mike's presentation at parade and i was just completely fascinated about uh, what it takes to correctly fix body work what yes. i learned was if uh, if i have a newer portion it's ever in an accident i hope to god it gets totaled because, oh, my God, it looks so complicated uh, to get it done right. It also taught right. me that you yeah. better have someone who knows what they're doing, right. preferably at a Porsche dealership or an authorized body shop, because um, it's no longer like one one type of metal. No. It's multiple types of metal layered. It might it was, not be metal at all. It just it scared, scared me to no end that... Uh, you know, it's not like the my old 964 where you could pull it with the machine and right. get it back into shape. This was uh, very complicated. Yeah. The the concept of putting a wrecked car onto a frame bench and pulling is gone. Yeah. Um, because the metal, once it has folded once, it work hardens. And if you fold it a second time, it, it's, it's done. It's done. So, um, yeah. Makes most- me also wonder when you were talking about the hybrids, I'm thinking to myself, well, you know, I use an independent. I have older cars. Uh, hybrids are going to get older at some point, mm-hmm. and sure. people are still going to be using them. And I, I just wonder, are these uh, independents doing the same level of training when it comes to safety part of working on a hybrid? That's a good question, and I get asked something similar to that quite often, but because I don't work in the independent repair facility world, I don't know exactly. But I do know that other brands have had hybrid cars on the road for over 20 years now. Mm-hmm. They're getting fixed places. Yeah. 
And I've run across a couple of independent repair, repair facilities that do specialize in hybrid cars. Because mm. we're talking serious high voltage. It's sure. not, yeah. A, yeah. Not, not a nine volt battery that's, uh, shocking you. It's. Yeah. You know, in, in, in the industrial world, if it's over 60 volts direct current, it's considered high voltage because it's dangerous and you need to be trained to work on it. If it's over 30 volts alternating current, it's high voltage and you need to be trained to work on it. At high amps. So it's, uh, and it only it don't it it takes very very few amps to to do a human harm. Yeah, it's uh something to think about as cars evolve and uh, um, the whole dealership model is changing in some aspects, but the other ones, I just wonder about the independence how they're going to. I think ICE cars are going to be around for a long time. Oh sure. And uh, uh, but the, the newer cars is, is the guy down the street going to be able to? Uh, to work on something that may necessitate powering down the car and understanding how to do that properly. Right. Uh, I would not, I would not expect or want a, a self-taught person working on a high voltage, the high voltage part of a high voltage car. Right. Yeah. More importantly, you want them to be safe. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Speaking of phoning a friend, we kind of joked earlier. A few years ago, I remember that you were evaluating some technical information. Or not technical information, but technology to help uh, technicians sort of phone of a friend. You call, but they could actually see that whoever you were phone, you could see what the technician was looking at. Correct. A few years ago for Tech Tactics, our, our head of our technical support, Doug House, came up here to demonstrate the Tech Live Look glasses. Tech Live Look. Correct. Okay, that's what it was. And they, they had a guy at OPD put them on and walk into the classic shop. And you could read the digitized data matrix code off of a camshaft through the glasses, through through the internet, through a 4K television. So is that being used now, or is it? We're actually on generation two now. Oh, generation two. We now have. We are now using Halo Lens to do double duty. We can use that for the Tech Live look and do web-based training with it. Oh, could you send a set or somehow we could have a set so then I could call our he's friend gonna, Peter Smith. <laughs> he's going to be indexing his cams, I think, is yeah. what he's asking. Ah, okay. <laughs> no, that's, that's awesome, uh, utilizing technology to your advantage because it's, it's just – you can come to a class, you can learn, but like me, I was never great in class and taking notes and I, you know, lose half of it by the time I get home. So being able to throw on a pair of glasses and have someone reaffirm what you're doing and not over tightening or not pulling something that you shouldn't, that's got to be very helpful for a, you know, inexperienced technician. Yeah. You know, if, if a picture is worth a thousand words, what's a video worth? Yeah. And what's a live feed worth in 4k or more? Right. Wow. Uh, yeah, just it's fascinating te- technology, and and I know of one particular instance where uh, between emails and phone calls, nobody could figure out what was going on, and then finally the tech put on the glasses, and it was a matter of one of our setups we measure from the fender lip to the wheel center, mm-hmm. one of them we measure from the fender lip to the road surface. Oh, and if you do it the wrong That's way around, a big difference. <laughs> and if you do it the wrong way around, you're off by 250, 300 millimeters, and the computer goes no. And Tech Live Look solved it that fast. Very cool. Well, speaking of tech, let's uh, throw up on the screen. Make sure you head over to PCA.org and you can sign up for eBreak News, our weekly newsletter, as well as Mart Fresh News and Performance News. 
dedicated to Four Doors. Be sure to like if you're enjoying the show. We love reading the comments. And if you have questions for Rolf or anything about this facility, put it in the comments and we'll try to get them answered later. And of course, please subscribe if you want to not miss uh, topics such as this, shows, videos. Please subscribe. We're getting close to that 100K mark. Manny, you want to get into recent videos? Yes, we had two of them that were released. Uh, one's the, uh, we had a correspondent, uh, Axel Catton go to the, uh, Porsche, uh, Paris Retromobile in Paris, obviously in Paris. Um, it's a very good video. Uh, I don't know Al- Axel, but I like him. And when I watched the uh, video ahead of time for release it, I told Damon, I'm like, you know what? This guy's pretty funny. He's pretty cool. And of course he's going to an event I would love to go to, uh, because it has uh, all these vintage cars and he highlighted some of the rare Porsches. So yeah, if you go to the channel and take a look at it, um, uh, he's very European. And it's I kind will of, uh, tell it's, you, it's kind of funny. um, from that video with Axel, I spent lots of uh, road trip miles with Axel. What you see is what you get. And I think it actually gets even funnier when you're with him because think, he opens up even more. I think one of the comments was, uh, come for the car, stay for the wine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it, I think he said something along the of, how French is that? <laughs> uh, so that was one of them. The other one is a, uh, a uh, video we, um, we captured at the uh, Tech Tactics in uh, Parade. Just like we're capturing a lot of these, uh, presentations here for the, for the membership. And this was Nathan Murs, um, giving, uh, tips on how to sell your car like a pro because Nathan obviously is a, uh, car dealer and he gives, uh, it seems like common sense after you watch it, but having someone, you know, uh, articulate it in the way that they, only Nathan can, it, incredible tips for someone who wants to uh, sell the car specifically like in like photographs that Robert has on the screen. Um, I can't tell you how many times I tell people who call up the national office and say, why hasn't my Porsche sold? And I bring up their ad and they have one picture taken at dusk, uh, like With the car in the garage, 30 feet away. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, well, here's one of the reasons why your car hasn't sold. Uh, but yeah, if you're thinking of uh, selling your car, you just want to watch a great video. Um, and, uh, from Nathan, who's a, a tremendous presenter. Unfortunately, he's not here at Tech Tactics, uh, East, but, um, you can catch him what he did at Parade. What I love about the tips on that video is, you know, most everyone, when they sell a car, they want top dollar for it. But yet it's ironic they won't spend top dollar to present the car well. But if you do, as Nathan will tell you, if you present it correctly, that's the only way you're going to get top dollar for your car. I was looking at, I flipped through, I was looking at a Volkswagen Bug because I, I was thinking in my head, I want to go buy a Volkswagen Bug. You're still Bug. on that? You're I still know, on I never that buy one, but I still look at them. A couple of them, Facebook Marketplace. But one of them looked like this person had not cleaned their Volkswagen Beetle in about 20 years. On the inside, I saw vintage McDonald's wrappers on the floor. <laughs> and I thought... <laughs> You, Did you not think about this when you went to sell your car? <laughs> no, the fact that you can identify a vintage McDonald's. Oh, rapper. you know what they look <laughs> like, Rob. <laughs> I love it, Rob. He just called him out on he it. He did. He did. Manny, those aren't, those aren't terribly expensive. So we could, I could somehow, with the money that I saved on doing the E1 water pump, perhaps we could plan Z this uh, beetle of yours. We were talking guy math on the way up <laughs> guy here. Guy math. So we looked up how much it costs to replace the water pump on the E1 Cayenne and how much it costs in parts for all of us to do it on his car. And now he has $1,200 in his pocket <laughs> that he can spend, right? Because I mean, guy math. You you basically can't afford not to. Yes. I, I know. Well, I always tell my wife, I'm like, dealer would have cost me $450. Exactly. I only paid $60. We're so good at this. We're so good at this. <laughs> 
<laughs> Let's get into the news. Uh, first one up is Penske headquarters. Oh, yeah. So they came out. This is from uh, Porsche Motorsports. Uh, the inside look. So, of course, Penske has a shop in North Carolina, and they have one in Mannheim uh, who are campaigning the 963s, and they gave some inside shots. And it's exactly what you expect a Penske shop to be. Um, I think, Robert, if you hit gallery, uh, there we go. Um, it's uh, it, it, You can look like you eat from it. This is exactly when you look at that, this is what you expect to see from mm-hmm. Porsche. And you would think, well, they can't possibly work on cars here, but they do. It's uh, I've been to a Penske shop, and they do not. It, this isn't because they had visitors. This is it's the way like it that. always Much is. Much like here. It's yeah. always, always uh, spotless. The spotless. Their, their cars don't leak oil like mine. Uh, beautiful <laughs> uh, uh, setup. So, yeah, if you uh, if you get a chance, um, uh, just Google uh, Porsche Motorsports Mannheim or Penske Mannheim, and I'm sure you'll come up with this uh, story. It's a uh, nice inside look at to see what their headquarters because they're pretty uh, – Pretty hard to get inside info from uh, from Penske. Your second news item also has to do with the 963. Now, this is Penske once again uh, announcing they're going to have three uh, 963s at Le Mans. They're going to try again. It's still going to be an uphill battle with WEC. Uh, and so we've got the, uh, I think we've got the uh, secret, especially since we win the, uh, we won the 24 hours of uh, Daytona. Le Mans is a different story because uh Ferrari and uh, Toyota, well, Peugeot, they weren't running at Daytona. Uh, they were running, uh, uh, we were running at Le Mans. So, um, uh, there's also, uh, Proton is going to have a 963 at Le Mans and Proton actually has on the wait list for a second 963, hopefully to run at Le Mans. So, so Rolf, you have any background on race and motorsports? Do they ever pull you to do some side gigs at, at some of the tracks? Uh, when I worked, uh, in Charlotte, actually, we would occasionally sponsor, sponsor a Porsche club event. And so me and one of the other technicians would go to just be a, a tech support sometimes. Oh. Um, Kershaw, South Carolina. Um, oh, what's the, That's what's the, the one um, track? Yeah. The Carolina Motorsports Park. No, 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 no. Um, east of Charlotte, a couple hours. Rock. Rock, Rocky? Not, not Rockingham. That's yes, Rockingham. Yeah. Okay. Oh, really? Yeah. So uh, they did the Roval course out there, and yeah, we. I, it's it's a day at the track. I mean, how Rocky fun is that, right? Rockingham had a Roval. Yeah. No kidding. Yeah. This is like a half mile track, I think. Sure. Rock- <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> not a NASCAR fan, huh? <laughs> but it, it was it was good PR for the for the local Porsche Center because. You know, somebody spends, you know what it costs to enroll in a DE event for yeah. Porsche Club, and you go there, and then you have, you know, a sensor Factory or something. Support. And then to be able to get somebody back out on the track and let them enjoy the rest of the weekend, put a lot of smiles on oh, their faces. Oh, I would totally tell, go back and say, yeah, I was at a DE, and I had factory support. I always tell people <laughs> I became a fan of NASCAR when I got to drive uh, Charlotte Motor Speedway with my 911. Okay. And to me, I always thought NASCAR was just driving in circles. How hard is it to make left-hand turns? And I got on that banking, uh-huh. and I felt G-force for the first time. You think you felt G-force, but you haven't when, felt that. when your chin slams down in your chest and you slide down in the seat. Yep. And I remember after that three-day event, I went home and I said, I am going to watch NASCAR because this is not as easy as it looks. And I said, if I was, was just had the grip of death and we were doing a driver's ed, which meant it was all controlled passing, wasn't competition. I said, I can't imagine what it's like with 43 cars. Right. Going that close bumper to bumper. So I have great respect for NASCAR and I became a fan after that. Same, same driving. The, I think it was in that same DE at yeah, Charlotte. Parade. Yeah, we did another parade. Yeah. And, uh, never have looked at out of the top left of my windshield <laughs> yeah. for that yeah. duration at that speed. And then thinking 
my rear tires, I hope they are pretty solid because at this speed, if something happens, I'm just really along for the ride. Well, you yep. look at the guy in front of you and you see his tires buried in buried the fender. Into the fender yeah. And then it occurs to you that your tire is probably buried in <laughs> the fender too. So yeah, it's very cool if you get the chance to drive any, any track with banking. All right. Speaking of track, we've got Bathurst next. Yeah. So this is a track I've raced many times on my sim, uh, uh sim game. Uh, it's Mount Panorama in Australia. Mm. It, at least on the sim, it is pretty awesome. Uh, and from the video I've seen, it's pretty cool. But uh, Montai won, and this is one of the reasons why uh, their uh, cars are so desirable because that's the motorsports is they're based. So you've been there, yes? They're based out of the Nurburgring, so they're all about uh, about track racing. Anyways, um, Porsche wins uh, overall, and they had a second car that won their class at Bathurst, and they did it uh, under I'm going to say a little bit of duress weather. They had a penalty. Um, uh, it was uh, Matt Campbell who was uh, a 963 driver, uh, and I think he was on a winning 24-hour team. Um, he was uh, one of the drivers for this car, so good for him. The next news item really has to do with creative marketing because I'm not sure how much it helps the people that they're actually putting in cars, but definitely people are talking about it. Yeah, what are you going to do if you have your normal oversized carry-on <laughs> that you carry with all your hair care products? Do you ditch that to get a ride in the RS? I would ditch or? my hair care products to get a ride in the GT3 from a Delta <laughs> Or do you stick it on the Delta. back wing and say, don't nope, go too, nope. too fast? I will, I will buy another set of uh, needed hair care I products. I think our Panorama editor got a ride, not in a GT3 RS, but... He got a ride in some portion. He had some connection. So at, at what point do they pull you and say, sir, you don't have to walk on the jet bridge. Just take this door, and then there's a GT3 RS waiting for you. I, I, first of all, I would imagine you're not flying coach. Okay. It's got to be business I, I, at minimum. I can't I can't comprehend how that I, works. I bet <laughs> you you've been in their frequent flyer club for a yes. few years. You're, you're not boarding last like us. And are there people, because maybe some people don't want to lose their hair care products, would they decline the ride? Or or worse than that, you're with your wife. And there's no place to put the passenger. Oh, well, then no, you would send her first, and then they'll come back and get you. Or you just tip the guy with the wheelchair. <laughs> Man. That's, see, it's all the things that came from my head when I saw this. If I was again, the you. practicality of it all, really I love is, it. Is very interesting. You may want to put a pen, but we're all talking about it. We're all talking about it. So yeah, it was, it was all over the news that um, Delta, who has a great relationship with Porsche, um, has this set. And this was actually at uh, LAX. I thought it was Atlanta, but it was LAX. Oh, it was LAX. Yeah. yeah. Oh. All right, let's talk about events coming up. We are, we've already packed pretty much and sent our materials down to Amelia Island for works reunion March 1st. Registration for corral and judge vehicles is closed, but you don't need to buy tickets. All you need to do is pay the parking fee in the parking lot. I think it's $40 a car. And if you have a clown car and you have 10 people in your car, that's how much it costs. But come down and join us. We've got a full field, uh, lots of stuff to see. We've got exhibitors, sponsors, food trucks, you name it. It's a great time. We have alligators too. We do, we but do we, have keep, we, we, we keep that. our distance. They're very lazy, though. They're very smooth. <laughs> I think we can outrun them, but uh... you just need to outrun Manny. <laughs> <laughs> You yeah, toss the, that. The, you, the gym rat that he is. You toss that up for me. You toss that up for me. Um, let's talk about Porsche Parade in Birmingham. Phase one is open. 
Yes. And, uh, I think the turnout so far is very good. Yep. Um, and the, uh, Barber Motorsports Park is right around the corner from there. And I know they're doing stuff, uh, with portion. I think, uh, if you're, uh, if you ever thought about doing the sport driving school, do it at parade if you're coming to parade. I'm sure it's filling up. So I, hopefully I should have checked before I even mentioned this. Um, if that, those spots are sold out, but. Yeah, I'm very much looking forward to the uh, whole event between the drives. We're right across from the convention center where everything's at. It's going to be a uh, fun time. Phase one is just getting a hotel room. Uh, then you can prepare for phase two, which is... Uh, Picking all your events. That's probably one of like Rolf's training classes. It takes a couple of days and... Uh, I was sitting with the uh, the tour chair for a parade. And much like when I went there for a site visit... It's very hard to find a bad road there. The roads in Birmingham, for some reason, are perfectly manicured, and they're beautiful, beautiful roads. We are downtown. Um, we are near, um, attached to a convention center. We're kind of going to be sort of enclosed to ourselves. Uh, the Concord is going to be below a, a gorgeous uh, overpass, and uh, it's a downtown environment, you know, urban side. Some people are kind of worried about the whole urban I thing. I wouldn't mention that the Concours is under an overpass, because no matter how you paint that, it doesn't sound good. But it's beautiful. That's the thing, is it is beautiful. You'll be so surprised when you see it, man, especially the way we'll light it up and such. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it, obviously southern food. When you Prop- say light it up, does that mean the Concours at night? No, but like, it, like when you walk by it, I mean... You, you will walk by that when you go to all the restaurants and all the different okay. things downtown. It's, it's beautiful. And in fact, I was hoping when we first did the site visit that we could do it there, but we normally pick a golf course or some big park. I'm like, man, it would be awesome if we could have it under there and somehow they got it done. Um, but yeah, it, it'll be a great time and hopefully you can join us. And if you can only join us for a day, that day would be Monday. That is open to the public. But every other day for parade, you have to be registered to come join in all the festivities. I'm uh, telling everyone to be open on Wednesday because that's going to be tech tactics. We're moving it from Friday to Wednesday and we're merging with the uh, tech sessions that Porsche does a lot of times. And we're going to have a one big tech tactics day. And I'm very excited that, uh, we can, we can say Tony yeah. Hatter and Grant Larson and Grant Larson will be there yeah, among others. So it's, yeah. um, yeah, it's going to be a blast. And we're expecting, I would say a significant representation from the Porsche family, which we haven't had in a while, no. but being that it's, I mean, I may have spoken about this before, but when there's an East coast parade, it's a bit easier for them to travel through Atlanta. And obviously from Atlanta to Birmingham is maybe a, not even a two hour drive. Yeah. So looking forward to that. Um, I do, we talked about you racing, um, sim racing at Bathurst. So definitely want to plug in for PCA simracing.com. One of the fastest growing, um, parts of PCA. I think we're close to 800 active racers now in sim racing. So if you're considering uh, driving on the computer, we can show you how to do that and have some fun. Do you have to pay a fee to become a sim racer? No, I think you just sign up. All right. Yeah, exactly. Uh, let's see. Next. Uh, Charlotte would kill me if I didn't mention all the cool stuff that we have. We've asked her to put together a collection of PCA Insider merch. If you'd like, we've got teas, mugs, and water bottles for you. And did you bring the decals? We, I, I think I did for people this weekend. I did not. I have a couple. So if, uh, well, they'll hear this after Tech Tactics. But <laughs> if you want a decal for yourself. Yeah, come to Tech Tactics. <laughs> if you want a decal for yourself, just send an email to podcast at PCA.org and we'll send you out a set. No cost to you. All right. Anything else before we sign off? 
No, I'm looking forward to the weekend. Uh, it's going to be a, a lot of fun. Thanks for Rolf and his uh, staff here to, for coming in on their day off to uh, or weekend to uh, to help uh, PCA members learn something. Uh, but it's an event that I definitely look forward to every year, and uh, we're going to capture a lot of this stuff. I know we Ralph's uh, presentation from last year was very popular, and uh, it doesn't sound like it would be interesting. It was tired geometry, but man, there was a lot of questions. Oh and yeah! Even when Ralph got done, there people were surrounding him like a little rock star, asking more and more questions about uh, about uh, tire geometry. So uh, the two presentations he's doing uh, this weekend, I think, are going to be equally impressive. And I think that's what I love about Tech Tactics, uh, either East or West or at Parade now, is it's not really a hidden secret anymore in the sense where it's great that we're hosting well over 250, 300 people per event. But thanks to Robert and Manny and all the staff that prepared for this, we're capturing some of the key moments uh, and sharing it with the world through YouTube later on. So we'll actually reach thousands of people to see some of that cool content. Really, it's to tease them to come. But, you know, if they can't come because they live somewhere else and we'll never have the opportunity, but they can at least get a flavor of tech tactics through YouTube. So next uh, podcast, we'll have uh, Damon back and he'll... Uh too bad he's not here because we could see what uh, Rolf thinks about Damon's modified uh, oh, the, hose, the hose for his uh, plenum insulation. Um, yeah, it's it's a little we'll, bit modified. Uh, we'll talk about that over a beer. Gonna have him text us some pictures <laughs> this weekend as he works on it. Um, and but more importantly, uh, you got a tour of a uh, singer. I did the uh, the uh, automotive. Uh, Imagine by singer reimagine you, reimagine. Excuse me. Yeah, and uh, you interviewed Rob Dickinson. Well, uh, actually, Aaron Ambrose is our president. All right, you filmed it then. I filmed it. Right. I was the uh, videographer. And uh, yeah, we'll talk about that next week. I do, since I'm staring at it, I want to thank Telefunken for providing PCA these microphones and all the equipment. Uh, Robert, thank you for schlepping it uh, up here from PCA National Headquarters. Without you, none of this would Robert, work. can you spin your, your camera around to show you? Can Set he? up that, because uh, it isn't like a little uh, soundboard, and that's it. It's, uh, there he is. Yeah, he has to slip all this stuff up in his Honda. And Thank more you, importantly, Robert. set it up because if he just dropped it off for DeVue and I, we would still be, uh, <laughs> much like the water pump. Tech tactics would be over. <laughs> looking up on the internet how to fix this. <laughs> <laughs> All right, folks. Thank you for listening. If you aren't currently a PCA member uh, and own a Porsche, grab that VIN and head over to PCA.org and sign up. If you aren't currently a Porsche owner but want one in your driveway or in your garage, we have the test drive program. Again, PCA.org. Remember to follow our podcast Instagram page to see behind-the-scenes photos, videos, Porsche Club Insider, all one word. We love seeing all the messages, the emails, what you're sending over through YouTube. We read it. We'll um, get to answer it. Again, if you have specific questions about the facility here, about training, we'll ask Rolf to answer that. So anyways, until next time, stay safe, and we'll catch you down the road.